Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. We got the whole crew with us on this Tuesday afternoon, Kip Adams and Benjamin Wolk. And fellas, believe it or not, we're getting closer and closer to the middle point of fall camp, halfway point. And probably more importantly, we're closing in on college football being here, period. It's uh, pretty hard to believe. Kip, how is this Tuesday treating you as the countdown continues? And uh, as far as Georgia Bulldogs are concerned, we get closer and closer to September 2nd. Yeah, we, you know, the polls are out. Uh, it's it's right around the corner. We're getting emails about college football pick them. It's, it's, you know, the, that's when you know it's here. It, it's, it's time to get serious. And it's really where I started to get conflicted because, uh, I mean, go Braves. Uh, there's nothing that feels better than beating up on some New York teams. Uh, you know, I, I like they're... Uh, you know, the Savannah Bananas out there. No offense to those guys. They do, you know, play the best brand of baseball out there. But it's, you know, it's it, this is it. Preseason NFL football, college football right around the corner. Obviously, that's, uh, you know, the big focus here. But, uh, yeah, we made it through. And honestly, it, it just really feels like, there, you know, there wasn't really a lot of time that we didn't have something going on. So it just feels like, one of the better years as far as just getting through the off season as quickly and painlessly as possible. Going through the off season and adding a new buddy with us and Ben Wolk, who's getting ready for this season, high school football. I know it's been getting ready to go full force. Uh, how is this Tuesday treating you? Ben? Uh, well, it's good. Am I missing emails again? I hear something about emails from a, a pick'em and I, I feel like I'm left off every important email list that there needs to be. What do I need to know about a pick'em? Yeah, um, we don't want the people in second. If you ain't first, you're last. So, unfortunately, Ben, you you did not make the cut for the college football pick. Okay, uh, understood. Um, but, yes, um, it does feel like football season's here. I know I've said that probably each of the last five podcasts that we've done, but scrimmages last week, high school scrimmages, that is, got actual high school football games that I'm going to be going to this week. Um, I think, what is it, 18 days maybe until the kickoff for – the Georgia UT Martin game. Obviously we got week zero coming up here in 10 days, pretty much. So, um, man, it's, uh, it's really here. It's really here. Quite a bit to talk about as we continue the countdown to the start of the season. And uh, I need to throw to you guys, uh, something that totally slipped my mind before we started recording. Uh, but Georgia is number one, once again, um, I don't know that that was much of a surprise, but Georgia, Number one team in the AP poll, also in the USA Today coaches poll. Uh, Kip, any thoughts on how that shook out with Georgia being number one and just how you anticipate this team will handle such lofty expectations as they get ready to try to go back to back 
to back. You know, what What a completely different, you know, just narrative and viewpoint of this Georgia program since, you know, the last time Georgia was number one in the preseason. I think uh, you go back and I was covering the team then and every single season, uh, Georgia was known as the, you know, the underachievers. Uh, a lot of talent could never get it done. Uh, and I, I think about uh, Mike Bobo, you know, being in the uh, second season as the offensive coordinator back then. And, you know, he knows better than anyone just, you know, what not just what that pressure's like, but just, again, having to, uh, you know, live up to those expectations. And now he's seen what it looks like when a program actually does live up to those expectations. And so it's, uh, you know, we, we've kind of uh, come full circle here. But now, I mean, Georgia's, I mean, Kirby would hate it if we brought it up, but they're chasing history. You know, something that we haven't seen done before uh, since what? Uh, uh, we talk about Minnesota, and that's still, uh, you know, a national championship that's going to be argued. So uh, I, I think uh, this is this is truly special just to watch. And, I mean, this is just still one of the better teams on paper uh, that, that we've seen at Georgia. So I, I think it's going to be an exciting and entertaining season uh, for the Dogs. And I, I think... Uh, you know, right now they just have to continue to do what Kirby Smart says and avoid complacency. I'm of the mindset I wouldn't be surprised if we hear Kirby on the mic saying, don't look like the number one team to me. Uh, you know, he, he's going to eat that up. Uh, ben, what do you think about them coming out, uh, being number one in both those polls and just the expectations this team is working with? I think it would. I think Kirby Smart personally bullied everybody into making that happen. I think that after everybody – the offseason jokes were around Nolan Smith's five and seven comments and how could Kirby Smart brainwash his team into truly believing that nobody believed in them. But the reality is that is a, a rewritten history of how last offseason went. Sure, Georgia was ranked highly going into last season. Nobody was going into last season saying, we firmly believe that Georgia is going to win back-to-back -back national championships. That was not the narrative. They were not picked to win the conference. I think that I myself included viewed Alabama and Ohio State as the two teams that were going to be at the top of college football and that Georgia would be in a good position to rebound from losing 15 guys to the draft by having, you know, a, a good season getting back to Atlanta, giving Alabama a fight. I think that's how people viewed Georgia's 2022 campaign. And they ended up being the 15 and 0 national champions, dominating everybody, dominating them so much that people were able to rewrite the history of how they actually talked about Georgia going into that season. But all of that to say, I think that this year, people that were in the power of making those decisions of, you know, voting on these polls, were not going to let that happen again. They weren't going to let the two-time defending national champions not be the number one overall team. Whether they feel like there are road bumps that they could run into on the schedule or not, I don't think was going to matter. I don't think, I think it really came down to Nobody was going to let Georgia not be the number one overall team again coming into the season, given what all, given what all the narratives were coming out of last season and you know Kirby Smart so called being able to brainwash Georgia players into thinking that they weren't you know seen as the best because they truly weren't going into last year. Something that has uh, been worth following uh, throughout uh, the month of August has been Georgia going through fall camp. We went through their first scrimmage on Saturday, had a chance to talk to Kirby Smart after the fact. Um, some pretty interesting nuggets, and I'll kind of roll through. I was the only one of us three that were there for Kirby talking about it. Um, you know, wrote 
story, some notes from what we learned about that first scrimmage. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me would be Raylan Wilson. It seems like they avoided what could have been a catastrophic injury just for the true freshman. Um, they did not think that he had ligament damage when he hyperextended his knee. Um, from what I heard, that kind of seemed like the oh crap moment of the scrimmage. You know, he had to limp off. Uh, a guy that's really talented, former five-star, that uh, they are in good position at inside linebacker, but you want a guy like that available. Um, with some of the stuff Kirby said, I thought it was really interesting. He made sure to kind of, I wouldn't necessarily say call out freshman defensive lineman Jordan Hall, but I mean, he mentioned him by name. I'm like, look, we need him to step up. We need him to contribute. Kind of had a rough day at the scrimmage. And that's sort of part of, especially that first scrimmage of fall camp. You know, you anticipate those freshmen especially those big guys, to really be feeling the heat. And I think a lot of the people that were there uh, had to deal with that. Uh, defense being ahead of the offense in that first scrimmage, I don't think that was necessarily a shock, especially when you consider uh, a new starting quarterback and you consider um, some of the talents coming back on defense. Sound like the defensive line performed really, really well, and I think that's got to make you feel good if you're a Georgia fan. When it comes to guys like Nazir Stackhouse, uh, Zion Logue, Warren Brinson, some of those experienced guys, um, that has to make you feel good, knowing that Jalen Carter's gone. They need some of those guys to step up. Um, seemed like uh, the receivers had trouble with drops. Kind of have to uh, clean that up, get ready, especially by the time you get to that second scrimmage on Saturday um, and need those guys to step up. And I thought it was pretty uh, interesting that Makai Muse uh, seemed to get some attention. You know, we've seen him out and about with those receivers when we've been out at practice. Uh, walk on, uh, not the biggest guy in the world, but uh, – very shifty, and I think he's a guy that uh, probably not going to start, but I think uh, he will see him quite a bit this season. And I think it's due to how hard he's worked and uh, and what he's been able to do to this point. Um, I'll start with you, Ben. Was there anything that you heard or saw from Saturday um, that really caught your attention or even just things you want to keep an eye on going forward based on what we heard from that first scrimmage? Well, going back to what you said, I think that one of the takeaways was definitely the defense seemed to be ahead of the offense. And, you know, we catch whispers throughout the course of fall camp. And the reason why I think that was probably welcome news to Kirby Smart and the coaching staff in general is I had been hearing a bit of the opposite throughout early in the camp that the offensive line really was getting the better of the defensive line throughout much of the early stages of the fall camp. I mean, we've heard it's not a surprise to hear that the offensive line is viewed as one of the you know better units on the team because they've got four guys that are you know, three returning starters, four guys that are coming back that are very regular, regular contributors. And I think the guys behind them have, you know, George would feel really good about trotting those guys out as well. Really Georgia's second unit on the offensive line, I think would be viewed as one of the best, you know, in the country really. But I think hearing that the defensive line finally got the edge when it came down to scrimmage, I know that the juices get flowing a little bit more once that scrimmage comes around. I think that showed you some of the gamer, uh, the gamerness, I guess you could say, that the defensive line has in their room. Um, so I think that was one of my big takeaways. I'm excited to see how they rotate. I know we've talked a lot about Jordan Hill offline, online a little bit as well, but I'm excited to see how the freshman can maybe work his way into the rotation, but not just him. Other guys like Christian Miller, you know, that haven't, you know, we heard a lot of them through their recruiting processes. That happens a lot. You come in as a freshman, you don't play right away at Georgia because it's hard to crack the rotation. But then you start to maybe hear rumblings that they're having good outings, that they're starting to put some practices together. And so I think that Georgia has a lot of defensive linemen that fit into that. 
we've seen, you know, time and time again, the development that Georgia can have on the defensive line. So I would say that's probably my takeaway. And then just, it, I mean, it sounds crazy. I would have been laughing at myself if I had been hearing this at the beginning of camp, but Cash Jones and Makai Muse are two names that I just keep hearing over and over and over again. We've heard people say it on the record in press conferences. When you're hearing those camp whispers, we hear about those two names a lot. And, you know, there's sometimes that I smart start to wonder, are these, are these smoke screens because Georgia's got like studs in the receiver room that they want don't want people to know about or Andrew Paul's just having an unbelievable camp and you're wanting people to be thinking more about Cash Jones than Andrew Paul like these are the things that I wonder but you start to hear those two names enough I think that there's really no way that they don't get involved in some capacity on the team this fall which is wild yeah I think you hit on it and it still it really blows my mind the way that Georgia maximizes its walk-ons I mean these are not guys that uh, they're just like well you know you're going to be a tackling dummy for three or four years these guys get involved and um, you know the, this is still the the team where Stetson Bennett you know came out of nowhere as a walk-on and uh, they definitely do an outstanding job evaluating the walk-ons Kip was there anything from Saturday scrimmage that caught your attention or anything that uh, you want to add on to what Ben and I uh, sort of took away from what happened. Kirby Smart always knows exactly what he's saying. I mean, he has he has a point and, and uh, you know a plan with everything. And I think to to your point about him talking about you know uh, Makai Muse out there, uh, I, I think it's absolutely also a motivational tool for those guys ahead of him. You know, compliment the the guy that's out there showing out to remind you know. The guys that are more heralded, you know, Arian Smith, big year for him. Uh, Ra Ra Thomas coming in with, you know, a lot of accolades himself. And then, you know, guys like Dylan Bell coming off a big season, uh, you know, expecting to uh, make a bigger impact this year. You know, those guys have to continue to play to the standard. You know, Makai Muse is out there playing to the standard, and then maybe some of those other guys aren't in one practice. It's an easy way for uh, Kirby to go ahead and, and you know, light up a little bit of a fire under those guys going into the season. And, you know, I, I like what you said about the defensive line. I think, uh, you know, a lot of the talk this offseason was that this was this maybe kind of a, a no-name uh, group, uh, just a, a deep rotation, but maybe no stars. And I think you're starting to see Zion Logue maybe uh, fight back against that a little bit and show that uh, – you know, he's ready to step up. We've seen Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, obviously Jalen Carter. We've seen these guys make a big impact on that defensive front. Uh, that may be the main reason why Georgia's defense has played at the level it has the last uh, couple of seasons. And now it, it's Zion's turn. He's waited in the wings. And, and I think that uh, he's ready to show that he can do a little bit of everything. We know what he can do. At 315 pounds, uh, you know, as far as stopping the run, but I, I think he's going to show that he could be consistent and, and play a lot of roles for them and, and make an impact. And so, I, you look at that group, and we talked about this before, or we went on the air, but you know, a guy like Christian Miller coming on in camp, uh, you know, adding to that depth that they're going to have, and which is basically a you know, a, a very talented three-man rotation. But I think if you got Christian Miller as the number two defensive tackle, Warren Brinson out there, but then knowing you have Nazir Stackhouse and Zion Logue able to to rotate at both spots uh, when one of them's at the nose tackle, and then Michael Williams obviously at defensive end with, with Trammell, uh, you, you've got an outstanding group that can do a lot of different things for you as you continue to see 
who's going to be that impact edge edge rusher or maybe different guys at that edge position are giving you different looks on on second and third down and bringing different skill sets you've got a group that can make it happen on the front so i i think that you got to be you know real confident about that group heading into the season probably uh you know as confident as any position group out there uh, and then to add to that uh, i i think what we've seen so far from Donnell Aguero uh, is is really really positive, and I, I think he's a guy that's really coming on strong. And you know, we kind of talked about you know if Tyke Smith was going to be that start starter at the star position, uh, and and they're giving Donnell every opportunity to uh, not just earn a lot of snaps early on, but potentially start the season just like Malachi Starks did last year. I think so far, really positive returns from him, and again. That position group has a lot of star power. You got a you know another very talented freshman going in there with an experienced group. It could really be maybe the the biggest impact group on the football team. Yeah, a lot of positive buzz from Janelle to this point, and he's someone that is going to be worth watching going forward. Take a quick break, come back, talk a little bit more about what we want to see in the uh, coming week of fall camp, and talk a little bit about another recruiting development for the dogs eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody. Well, going forward, getting ready for another week of fall camp for Georgia, another scrimmage on Saturday. Still plenty to watch, plenty to talk about. I'll start with you, Ben. What do you want to learn once we get to that second scrimmage from Georgia? Um, maybe things building off of that first scrimmage or different areas of this team that catch your attention? I mean, I think because the takeaway from the first scrimmage was that the offense wasn't firing on all cylinders, it might have taken them a little while to get into a groove offensively. I mean, I think hearing Carson Beck especially have a bounce back performance in that scrimmage and really, I'm not saying that he has to be the star of the scrimmage on Saturday, but I think to feel confident in what Georgia has at the quarterback position going in that second scrimmage, once you've had the chance to get some of that game situation rust off in that first scrimmage, 
having Carson Beck be a really top performer in that scrimmage on Saturday, I think is going to be really, really important. So hearing how the quarterbacks in general just perform will probably be critical. I know that um, most of the reach outs that I got after Kirby Smart's press conference on Saturday had to do with Georgia fans worried about the fact that Kirby was saying he wasn't thrilled with the quarterback play as if Kirby Smart was going to step up after the first scrimmage and say how thrilled he was with the quarterback play. But I do think that, you know, there might be wanting fans wanting a shifting narrative a little bit that things are trending in the right direction at the quarterback position. So I know that's the basic answer that, you know, that's what the kind of stuff that Kip would do taking a quarterback one, one in the, in the draft. Um, but I, I got to go with quarterback. You know, I think that that's an important thing that people want to hear about coming up this weekend. We'll we'll get more into Kip's pick there in a few minutes, but, uh, yeah, just building off of what you just mentioned, Ben, I, I felt like some people, uh, you know, kind of had their eyebrows raised with how Kirby talked about that first scrimmage and being like, you know, we're not where we need to be. I expected nothing different. I mean, because that's how it always is. You know, he's always looking for something more. He's going to push these guys. And I know there are areas they want to improve, um, but uh, I, I I was not at all shocked by what he had to say. Um, as far as what I want to hear uh, going forward is probably just the receivers, because what I heard from that scrimmage was there's a lot of drops across the board. And what was told to me was, you know, it wasn't like the guys you would count on, like a Brock Bowers or a Lad McConkey, but – they just had too many drops and Kirby kind of backed that up talking about the quarterback play and was like, well, you know, you kind of have to keep things in mind. Like, let's say a quarterback threw an interception. Well, if he hit a guy in the hands and the guy dropped it and gets picked, um, that doesn't really go against the quarterback. Well, then Georgia puts out the highlight video and well, Arian Smith, the uh, ball hits him in the hands and it drops off. And I believe Terrell Foster, a walk on linebacker intercepts it. Uh, I think you just need to see that group shored up because I think really highly, of these wide receivers and these tight ends, just how deep they are. But they're going to need, especially those younger guys, to show they can be counted on because if they don't trust them, they're not going to play. And uh, I think that that's sort of what you want to see in that second scrimmage is especially those younger guys take a step forward, show they can be counted on, and uh, give an argument for the coaches that, hey, let's get these guys in the mix as well. Uh, Kip, what about you? What do you want to see or hear over this next week, including the scrimmage that's coming up on Saturday. I want to hear that uh, they've got some healthy running backs. You know, uh, right now, we just got done talking about Cash Jones and the role that he may be earning for himself. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, we already know that Branson Robinson's probably going to, you know, miss some time to start the season. Uh, and we, we know that Kendall, you know, Milton, again, hamstring issue. And does he get back in time to start this season? Uh, I'm not ready to count him out. A lot of fans have kind of just, you know, already written him off as, as being injury prone. And, you know, you, you, you hate to see things like that happen. But Georgia has been kind of a, you know, they've had redemption arcs for its running backs coming off injuries. And if Georgia has the season we're all talking about as a preseason number one, then there's a chance they're going to play 15 games. And so, you know, whether or not Kendall Milton's completely healthy to start the season, or, you know, uh, Dejan Edwards, uh, obviously Branson Robinson, Andrew Paul coming off an ACL, uh, who is going to be out there to start the season, you know, is still something I'm interested in seeing. But with Kendall, it's, it's more, you know, he is going to play important football for Georgia this season. Uh, and for him to get out strong to start the season would probably be, you know, real big news for him and his confidence as he tries to have the kind of year that 
he knows he can and we know he can have. Uh, and he's extremely talented. I know that, uh, you know, every time you see Branson Robinson out there, you think, you know, this guy, uh, you know, looks like the next Nick Chubb and he's obviously a workout warrior. But I mean, Kendall Milton's very, very productive every time he touches the ball. And I think that he's set up still to have a big year. Don't count him out. I want to see what he looks like the rest of camp. Before we turn the page from fall camp, I want to revisit uh, our breakout draft and uh, each of our teams. And I thought the the most fair way to do this is for each of us uh, to look at the team they drafted. And if uh, either of you guys need me to run through it, I can do that. Uh, I've got uh, it pulled but, up here. Okay, great. And uh, we can talk about a guy that we really like that we drafted. And then if there's someone hanging out there that none of us got, uh, you know, you can uh, pick that guy up. And we're going to go in reverse order because Ben had the third pick. I feel it's only fair. <laughs> ben gets to go first. Uh, SC Kip is not very thrilled if you are listening to this. Uh, not not happy with the turn of events. But, Ben, give me a guy you drafted that you feel pretty good about and then a guy, a free agent maybe out there that uh, you'd like to swap in. Yeah, so I it feels sort of cheap to go this route because he was my first pick, but I, I do think Dominic Lovett has a chance to be Georgia's best receiver this year, maybe the best receiver in the SEC. I think he really does have that skill level and talent level. Um, but, I, I, you know, I'm not going to go with that easy answer. I'm going to go with Ernest Green because I'm going to go with the guy that I think is going to step up and be Georgia's left tackle. And I think not enough people maybe are talking about the fact that Georgia is just going to be replacing its left tackle and plugging a guy in there. And I think that a lot of people – at Georgia feel really, really, really good about what they're going to be plugging in there at left tackle as well. So I'll go with Ernest Green just to not go with the simple answer. But I I am going to actually exchange my last pick. I took C.J. Allen with my last pick of the draft, and I would actually exchange that for Jordan Hall, a guy that we've talked about a bunch already. All of us had. I really I I battled with what I who I wanted to take with that last pick of the draft anyway. Um, and looking back at it, you know, I took two linebackers. I took Jalen Walker. I took CJ Allen. I think that Jalen Walker will probably find his way into the rotation more just because of the different nature that he brings to that linebacker room compared to some of the other guys. He can really get after the passer. So he's going to be used in certain situations. And while I do think CJ Allen will carve out a role for himself, it's just a very busy room right now. There's a lot of really, really good guys. And I think the rotation that you're going to get at defensive line as a freshman with a guy like Jordan Hall just gives him a better chance to break out than a guy like C.J. Allen. I feel like Ben probably picked the best player available there, which I cannot blame him. Uh, so I had the second pick. I feel okay across the board with the five guys that I got. Um, I, I'll go with Dylan Bell as my top guy because I really think that people have sort of slept on him and thought, well, you know, they've got Marcus Jones and Jack Saint. They got Rara Thomas. I've heard some good things about Dylan. I think he's a guy that's going to play quite a bit. I still don't think he's going to start. I think when you have Marcus coming back, that veteran uh, at the X position, but I think Dylan's going to play quite a bit, and I think he's done a good job of putting himself in a good situation. As far as guys who have not been drafted, I feel like you could go really one of two ways at running back, but I'm going to go with Andrew Paul. I think that he's a guy that is still you know, earning – some confidence, trying to build some trust in that knee, which is understandable. Uh, but he got a lot of hype last fall camp before he got hurt. Um, I think that uh, he's a guy that has a really good opportunity ahead of him with the way the running back position is, with Kendall Milton banged up, with Branson Robinson working his way back. Uh, I really like Andrew Paul. I think he could be a guy that we see play significantly once we get into this season. 
Uh, Kip, let's throw it to you. Uh, who is your favorite pick that you had in the draft, and uh, who are you picking up from the free agency pool? Well, I, I'll be honest. I love my entire team. Yeah. I mean, that's just he's. This is a pretty solid roster. But if I'm going to go with a guy that, you know, I, I feel is not just had a strong camp, but is also positioned to to play a huge role for for Georgia this season. You know, uh, I'm going to go with Dalen Everett. I think this cornerback competition has been, you know, probably the most heated one in camp. Uh, three, really four or five extremely talented guys out there competing. But I really think that Dale and Everett, as I said to begin, uh, you know, fall camp, kind of can do everything for Georgia. And I think he's a guy that uh, Fran Brown and, and Will Muschamp and Kirby have a lot of confidence in if they put him opposite of, Kamari Lasseter, you know, he's he's going to be able to, you know, not just get the job done, but but also make some plays. And I, his ability to, uh, again, play the run, uh, do well in coverage uh, is going to help him a lot. Uh, and I think that 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 overall all-around ability uh, will get him CB1 uh, when the season starts. So I really like where he's at. He's set up well. Georgia's kind of had a rotation of cornerbacks coming in and, and kind of having big gears opposite of uh, some superstar cornerbacks over the last three or four seasons. And I think Dalen could be could be next in line, still has to compete out there and, and win that job. But I like where he is right now. And I, I like I said, I don't even know if I, I want to replace anyone right now. I think w- with Oscar Delp, you know, coming in and and being reportedly, you know, close to what 250 pounds now 245 out there if that's true then it bodes well for him this season but it's still i'm not sure how much you know 12 personnel georgia is going to to run this year uh his role may be limited just because the best 11 on the field might be you know the the wide receiver groups kind of ridiculous right now even though you know we have yet to kind of actually see them out there performing like we think they can but we we do think that mike bobo is going to be using a lot of you know maybe three four wide receiver sets out there including bowers split out so i'm not sure how big his role is going to be but you know what if i'm going to take someone i i, I would actually do a, a projection of a guy that i think's having a big fall camp and that, and that's dylan fairchild i i think he's a guy that again if we're talking about someone who could potentially start we know that if everyone's healthy uh, Oscar Dubs only going to be out there in certain formations. Uh, they have some other guy tied in that's probably going to play a lot this year. So I think, you know, again, Fairchild's a guy that may be the strongest player on the team, uh, a guy that, you know, we've heard about in the spring, obviously, when they're in the weight room, he's getting it done. But, you know, ha- has been behind some older, more experienced guys on this offensive line the last couple of years. This could be you know, the his opportunity to kind of take that next step in his development right now in camp, and they're in the heat of it right now. You know, this is going to probably be what, you know, with two, three weeks left, could be the toughest stretch uh, of the year as far as practice. And this is his opportunity right now to, uh, to maybe push Xavier Trust at left guard. And I, I think that obviously Xavier Trust has played a lot of football for Georgia, but uh, I don't think Stacy Serrells is going to, uh, you know, shy away from putting his best five on the field. And I, I think Dylan has a chance to earn that spot if he can uh, compete consistently in practice and show what he can do against, you know, that deep defensive line that Georgia has. 
he, he could, you know, he could really push for a starting job, if not early, but and maybe during the season. So I think he's just a guy that I, I think if if I had an extra pick, if I'm, you know, replacing Delpit, it would definitely be with him. Before we get out of here, let's talk about some recruiting news for Georgia earlier this week. Uh, Georgia went hard after five-star defensive lineman Williams Wannery from Missouri. Ultimately, he decided to stay put. He is staying home and going to Missouri. Sounded like Georgia was the next school up behind, uh, as uh, in front of Oklahoma, uh, though he decided to go to Missouri. Uh, ben, I'll start with you. You've written a little bit about his commitment. Um, what did you make of Williams' decision and what Georgia could do next at defensive line? Well, I mean, obviously a great in-state win for Missouri. I'll start there. Like any time that you are a program like Missouri, and I don't mean that, you know, I don't mean to diminish diminish them in by any means, but when you have Georgia in a recruitment who is churning out defensive linemen, you know, year after year, and you've got Brent Venables at Oklahoma who has a track record of churning out defensive linemen, you just assume that guys, the top guys in the country are going to gravitate to places like that, that when they're involved in their recruitment. In this case, he ended up at the in-state school at Missouri. I think it's a huge win. If anybody saw the video of Eli Drinkwitz celebrating this, go watch it because he truly turned Eli Drinkwitz into a child, hug, like hugging other coaches with how excited he got about this commitment. So if that tells you anything you need to know about how good of a football player Missouri just got, um, you know, there's certainly more than just football elements that played into this. And I think that NIL is an element of everything that we're going to do from a recruiting standpoint forever. So what I, I never want us to be doing here where we're the ones that just default to, ah, well, it was an NIL recruitment or whatever, because these are the types of things that we know are ongoing throughout the course of the recruitment. We know they're trending that way. And we also know that every school or their collectives are having to utilize this in some way, shape, or form to be successful. That's across the board, no matter what caliber of recruit that you are. But when you are, you know, the number one defensive lineman in the country, like Williams was, then you're definitely going to have that be a factor. I've written about this a little bit as well, but Missouri has some progressive NIL laws in place that allow for guys that are committed to or have signed financial aid and aid agreements with in-state schools they are able to profit off of their name, image, and likeness in the state of Missouri. So starting August 28th, when this new legislation goes into effect in Missouri, Williams Wannery will be able to profit off of his name, image, and likeness as a high school athlete that's committed to and will have signed his financial aid agreement to go to Missouri. So that there are advantages that are in place. And I think that the question that I've been getting, and I am now, you know, I've asked some of these questions as well, and I hope to learn more about it because you know, admittedly, I don't know a ton about where it's going legislatively with Georgia and how that's going to happen. But these are the questions that we're getting. What is Georgia as a state? Is there a counter to that? I mean, we've seen Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, California. They have some laws like this that are giving them certain recruiting advantages. I don't I think everybody feels a little bit sleazy and like they have to take a shower after they talk about the fact that we're getting the government involved with. NIL and guys making money and all of that. But the reality is the only way that this is going to figure itself out and there's going to be any kind of consistency across the board is for these governments to be getting involved because the NCAA is not going to step in and figure this out. Unfortunately, I think it's going to result in a lot of states having a lot of different rules for some time before we're able to get to some level of uniformity. But 
Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see just from an NIL standpoint whether Georgia, the state, the legislature gets involved with anything um, in the near future as well because other places are certainly doing it, and that cutting-edge nature is, as we're seeing with the best defensive linemen in the country, certainly playing a part. Georgia and the uh, state government have uh, gotten uh, involved with each other before. The FOIA laws when Kirby was hired, that was kind of called the Kirby Smart Law when, uh, when they made those changes. Uh, Kip, what did you think of Williams' decision? And if there's any names that stick out to you on the Georgia side um, that we should keep an eye on when it comes to defensive line? First off, uh, with Williams, I mean, we're in uncharted territory here. Uh, as Ben said, you know, we have to learn about this. So um, with with his NIL potentially being connected to a financial aid agreement, uh, we don't know whether George is going to, you know, continue to recruit him and how connected he will be to being able to receive, you know, NIL money before he graduates high school. You know, uh, we don't know how binding those documents are going to be. Uh, it's not something we would know immediately after the fact, but we're sure it's going to come out eventually. And I'm sure that Georgia already knows everything there is to know about that. And so we're going to continue to watch that and see what, you know, November and December hold for, you know, teams having, you know, various you know, seasons. If Missouri goes, you know, four and eight, you know, does it change his mind about how he feels about Missouri? What is he able to do? We're going to be tracking that, and it's going to be interesting. It's a whole new world for us, and uh, you know what? For me, that's refreshing because of you know I've already done that song and dance of regular recruitments. I want to see some some new kinds of drama and see what see what everything how everything unfolds. That's why everybody uh, follows recruiting. It's it's entertaining. But for Georgia right now, you got to go to LJ McRae. I, I think that's the guy that if you're you know if you're a Georgia fan, you're looking to see. What big time defensive lineman do we have the best chance with? Well, I, I think you know the six six, two hundred seventy five pound uh, defensive lineman out of Daytona Beach at Mainland uh, High School uh, is that guy. Uh, I think he fits exactly what Georgia is looking for from a five technique. I really like where Georgia stands right now, uh, but his recruitment's not over. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, Florida is right there. They've done an outstanding job recruiting him. And it's going to be up to Georgia to get him back in town, uh, you know, during the season to continue the momentum. And like I said with Williams, if if, if Florida struggles, uh, then, I mean, that can only help Georgia and their momentum. So it could be the difference maker in a recruitment that we think is probably going to continue uh, to go throughout the season. We're going to wrap up this episode right there. I appreciate Kip and Ben for popping on. Uh, everybody, for dot com a lot of content coming out of fall camp uh, we'll have a look at some of the newcomers some of the transfers what they've done to this point a uh, later tuesday um, we'll also have some interviews going forward and we'll get the chance to talk to kirby smart after that second scrimmage on saturday uh, so a very busy time but a very fun time because college football's right around the corner so for kip adams and benjamin wolk i'm jordan hill appreciate everyone who checked this out live who is listening to it after the fact uh, we are out of here, everybody. Until next time, take care.
CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.